If you're looking for your new favorite tallow brand, Sun and Moo has your back. They are 100% grass-fed, grass-finished tallow using organic oils and herbs. Owned by Christian women with over a thousand five-star reviews. You can use the code HOMEGROWN to get 10% off your order. That is at sunandmoo.com. Raw Optics creates premium blue light protection eyewear designed to protect you from artificial light at night and during the day, optimizing how you feel and function. I personally own their daytime lenses and their nighttime lenses and have put them to the test. You can save 10% when you use the code HOMEGROWN over at rawoptics.com. That's R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S.com. Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, a place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together, we hope to educate, inspire, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today, we're sitting down with Candice, a hormone health educator with a master's in health education and over 30 years experience in the field, and her daughter, Jess, who is a board-certified holistic health coach. Today, we're covering topics like weight loss, hormones, fertility, real food approach to wellness, and wherever else the conversation takes us. So Candace and Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. It's exciting. It's so exciting. I love having you both here. I love that you're a mother-daughter duo. Before we dive into some of our meteor topics, I'd love to hear a little snippet of your journey, and we'll start with Candace. Well, let's see. What is there to say? The day that I turned 50, Jessie got her, her period. So <laughs> that kind of tells you the, the story of uh, mother having children at a later age and mm. going into menopause with lots of symptoms, hot flashes and mood swings and, and having, um, you know, kids that were growing into their teens. And that's when I started focusing my health education work. I've been mm. a journalist in England. I ran a director of the of education at a big hormone testing lab in Portland, Oregon for 12 years. Um, and that was sort of where I got to learning from functional medicine doctors, biochemists, compounding pharmacists, this whole explosion uh, into the world of natural approaches to managing women's health issues, especially in pre, peri and post-menopause. So I am just, I use that example because it's kind of symbolic of the fact that I was a mom going into perimenopause, having a ton of symptoms, scaring my children, and it became, you know, a, a very, uh, it, it became a necessity that mm -hmm. I start to focus on the hormonal aspects of health. And then this whole world opened up. You know, when you think about something like PMS, there are 150 symptoms, and women suffer needlessly. Women, are, I think, are missing out on the information and the education that they need to to balance their hormones. And it's not just, you know, it's a multi-pronged thing. So my background as a health educator has helped me apply the, you know, the way forward to balance and restoration by employing good nutrition, exercise, stress management, and as needed, we're talking about plant-based hormones. And then also, uh, because I have this background in hormone testing, that's huge because not every woman has realized that there are symptoms of hormonal imbalance, but that testing, testing your hormone levels can confirm those symptoms so that you have something in black and white that says, wow, you know, my estrogen levels are really off the charts or very low, or my progesterone, we're looking at all these key hormones 
So that's basically my background has been a passion for health, a passion for health maintenance, disease prevention, and then moving into, because of my own experience um, and needing to be a sane mom and not make everybody Mm -hmm. get, you know, put on a a bunch of layers because I was having hot flashes. (laughs) We had to move into some logic and that's, so we've ended up now with, um, my desire was to talk to women directly, women who don't feel listened to, who can't get the answers they need, who are frustrated. And um, after I left uh, the many years at the hormone testing lab, I decided to go out on my own and start talking, communicating one-on-one. And the girls have joined me in this endeavor, and we're just going from strength to strength. I think we've talked to thousands of women now, tested thousands of women, and we have a huge educational package. It's all about education and aware, you know, raising awareness about um, you know, what is this thing called hormone balance and imbalance, and what are the symptoms, and how can you, what can you do? How do you move forward? So that's kind of you know, where I've been for the last 20, 25 years and where I still am. And I don't think I can ever walk away because when you have this mm-hmm. knowledge, you've got to share it. Mm. I love that. I would say your your passion in this area is very evident because you've walked through it and you're almost feeling a need you had prior. I love your helping women skip some of those complicated symptoms that you experienced. I resonate with that a lot. Jess, I would love to hear your story as well. Yeah. So I obviously was raised by a hormone health educator. Well, she wasn't a hormone health educator <laughs> right when I was when I was born, but health educator. And I think as we all do when we're young, I sort of rebelled against her wisdom and um, kind of yeah. took my own path. When I got into high school, I started well, I should back up. We were raised with very healthy habits. As you can imagine, we made buckwheat pancakes on the weekends together. My dad taught us how to make fresh juices. We were drinking, you know, non-dairy milk before it was cool. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And, you know, we were very creative as a family. We didn't watch a lot of TV. We did family plays. Um, we were outside all the time, but we moved to the U.S. when I was 10 years old from England. And, um, you know, as you can imagine, the food system here is much different. What kids bring to school lunches is very different. And so I kind of got my first taste of more processed foods. And, you know, I kind of always craved them. I wanted to see what it was like because we had such a healthy upbringing. And so when I got into high school, I started going Um, to off-campus lunches with friends. I started going to Taco Bell and Starbucks. And as soon as I stopped the sports I was playing in high school, I was um, on the swim team. And you can imagine you burn a ton of calories swimming, you know, two hours every day. Um, I stopped swim team and I kept eating off-campus with my friends and pretty much gained about 40 pounds in a really short amount of time. Um, It was probably 30 at first, and then it just kept going up. And my mom and I have talked about this in a previous podcast, but um, she kind of brought it to my attention in a way that we both agree maybe wasn't the best back then, but she just was concerned with how much weight I had put on. And I felt like I was doing a good job of hiding it. And because I knew I was going into college and I didn't want to be quote unquote hazed, I started 
these restrictive diets, which included diet pills. And Mm. that kind of uh, propelled me into 12 years of yo-yo dieting. And I tried everything under the sun and I was either always on a diet or off a diet. And I was very insecure in my body. I was just obsessed with trying to lose weight. And when I wasn't trying to lose weight, it was always with the intention of eventually getting back on the diet. And it wasn't until I hit my about 30 and I started developing debilitating migraine headaches. I was at this really stressful corporate job. I had moved to LA and I didn't, I was on hormonal birth control, but I didn't have a bleed at all. I had zero libido, really low energy levels. I finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. I need to get off of all the prescription medications I'm being prescribed for these migraines. I need to get off hormonal birth control, and I really need to figure out what my hormones are doing and start to rebalance naturally. And so my mom, of course, was more than happy to help me do this. We tested my hormones and saliva, just like we do our clients now, and found all these imbalances, and I was able to transition safely off the pill rebalance my hormones, jump off the yo-yo roller coaster. And as a result, I wanted to help women do the same thing. So I decided to become a health coach and eventually merged and joined forces with my mom and my sister, who's our CEO. And that's like a very fast-forwarded version. I obviously didn't just become a health coach overnight. There was a lot of grinding, (laughs) uh, a lot of having to work multiple jobs. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been seven years since then. And I, I love what we do. Mm. Your guys' story is so cool. I love your mother-daughter duo. I have three daughters. So I'm thinking, I'm like, are they? My first thought is like, when is Sophie going to rebel against our real food ways? You know, Mm -hmm. has she already kind of, she's almost 13. So, you know, we're kind of inching into that area. Yeah. Um, Anyways, (laughs) so I love your, I love your story. Um, let's break down the ambiguous hormone balance conversation. So can you walk us through like what hormones we're talking about and then what are some of the symptoms or signs that you might be experiencing imbalanced hormones and then really practical ways to approach that through testing and getting real data to back up your symptoms, but then also approaching it naturally. So talk us through that. Do you want me to start, Jess? Of course. I I can go. Yeah. Well, what we're talking about really are the, the master female hormones. We, we, we also deal with male hormonal issues as well. And men and women share all the same hormones, actually, just in different Mm -hmm. amounts. So we're talking about estrogen, the hormone that is um, a growth hormone that in women's bodies, it's responsible for growing our, our, what makes us female, our sexual characteristics, our ovaries, our breasts, our curves, our uterus, everything that makes us female is grown by estrogen, uh, in particular estradiol, the, the most potent of the estrogens. So estrogen is a growth hormone, which also during the follicular phase of the cycle grows that egg in the follicle, in the ovary. And it's also growing the lining, the uterine lining, the endometrium that we shed as a period. So it's estrogen has been referred to as the angel of life because it is it is drives so much growth that is intrinsic to what it is to be female but it's also been called the angel of death because when we have too much estrogen 
it that growth activity eventually leads to terrible symptoms, disorders, and even cancers of the breast and the uterus. Mm. So and the ovaries. So so estrogen, very potent hormone, master female hormone, uh, controls the first half of the menstrual cycle, has to be held in check. It has to be balanced. And the hormone that balances estrogen is its counterpart, progesterone, which is kind of a forgotten hormone. Whenever we talk about hormones, there's always it's always all about estrogen. You know, women in menopause don't have enough estrogen. Well, actually, estrogen drops at menopause and perimenopause, but progesterone drops almost completely because we stop ovulating. And that's when women become estrogen dominant. All the years prior to that, we hope that we're having regular cycles, that we're ovulating, because upon ovulation, you create progesterone. And progesterone does its job of making sure that estrogen has stopped growing the uterine lining and it has stopped you know, growing. The, it, it has its time, and now it needs to cease and desist and let progesterone take over for the second half of the cycle and prepare the uterine lining for a possible pregnancy. And if there is no pregnancy, then uh, progesterone is the hormone that gives the signal to shed the lining and have a period. So estrogen, progesterone are key hormones. And when they are out of balance, there is a whole world of symptoms. And the symptom awareness needs to begin with, no, it's not normal to have a heavy, horrible, painful, endless period or irregular periods or cramping periods that keep you, you know, completely incapacitated and unable to to participate in everyday life. Um, so uh, that's number one symptom of estrogen dominance. Also weight gain in the hips, the thighs, the, the uh, bottom that doesn't seem to be, seems to be migrating and is difficult to budge. Also mood swings, terrible mood swings, PMS, which I was mentioning. Sorry, I've had a cough and I have an, a voice issue. But premenstrual syndrome is often related to imbalances of estrogen and progesterone. And we can, we can identify that in the saliva testing which is mm. great because it really helps people pinpoint the reason why they're having these symptoms. We measure mm -hmm. the levels and then we measure the ratio between them. And then the other hormones that are really significant for women and men are testosterone, DHEA. Those two hormones are called androgens. They build bone, they maintain bone, lean muscle, metabolism. Um, you know, people think of libido and sex drive associated with that, but it's also about structure, the strength of your bones, how strong you feel in yourself, how much stamina you have. Also cognition. With testosterone, you, you can think more clearly. You can focus and remember and concentrate. So those levels need to be in balance. And when they're not in balance, that's when people have brain fog. They feel, you know, their libido is low. They don't have any drive. They don't have motivation. They feel, and mm -hmm. this can be particularly prevalent with men, who are kind of chronic for not recognizing symptoms or talking about them and just thinking that, you know, oh, I'm stressed, I'm, I'm overworked or, and usually that is part of the situation because we also look at stress hormones and that's cortisol. So adrenaline is that hormone that, the fight or flight hormone that's made by the adrenals if you're running from a forest fire, but on an everyday basis, it's cortisol that the body produces to get us up in the morning 
and power us through the day. And that is mm. on a diurnal curve. So when we wake in the morning, melatonin should be going down, cortisol should be going up. It should be at its highest point actually in the morning. And then um, we look at a diurnal curve. Is your cortisol high in the morning as it should be? And is it dropping gradually to the lowest point at night for calming and sleep? Or is it low in the morning, which we often see people saying, can't get out of bed. I'm, hmm. you know, and, and high at night, and these are the people that are kind of tired and wired. They'll tell you they can run a marathon at night and then they can't get out of bed in the morning and they're pushing through all day. So these are the hormones that are really key to our emotional, physical, mental selves. And these are the ones we look at. We match them up with symptoms. So this is kind of a new concept, the idea that we can look at lab levels and then go beyond the numbers to match them up with the symptoms you're experiencing. And mm -hmm. I can tell you that most people are so, they're sort of so happy to know that there's something wrong because mm -hmm. they've been told, still women are told all the time, there's nothing wrong. You're just, you know, you're, you're just having bad periods here. Let's put you on a, on a birth control pill mm -hmm. um, or you've got acne. Let's put you on a birth control pill um, or you've got PMS. Let's put you on an antidepressant or you're in menopause. This is the way it should be. And women just, you know, feel they don't feel listened to and they don't get the help they need. There is a way to test, to match up these symptoms with these levels and to take natural steps to 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 rectify and restore and rebalance. And I'll let Jess talk mm. so I can regain my voice because there's a lot more to say about what we can do. Yeah. Before Jess goes, I want to echo that because I had a friend who went to went to her OB and said, you know, can you test me for hormone imbalance? And her OB said there's no such thing as hormone imbalance. So I think that is true. I think a lot of women are walking around mm. with symptoms and then that's being totally invalidated by traditional practitioners. And Jess, I'd love for you to continue what your mom was saying. And I also kind of want to use you as like a real life case study, right? Because you did go through the experience of testing your hormones and what did you find and how did you walk us through your healing process in that? Yeah, no, I think a lot of women that we work with have the experience of seeing their OBGYN or their doctor and feeling very dismissed and feeling like they're not being heard and that either mm -hmm. their symptoms are related to them just getting older or they are, you know, as a result of depression or anxiety when that's not what's going on. Sometimes that is what's going on. Um, but oftentimes, you know, we hear of women being put on depression medication when they're dealing with, you know, really bad PMS. Um, and then, you know, explaining to their doctors, I, I'm not I'm not depressed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just am dealing with these extreme symptoms and I need support. You know, why is this happening? And never getting any answers um, to help them get to the root. And so, you know, we hear that more often than not. And we have so many stories of, of women explaining situations where they have extremely heavy, painful, painful periods that are kind of pointing towards looking like maybe endometriosis. And, you know, they're told to just get on the birth control pill. And a lot of these women say, I, I don't want to be on the birth control pill. I'm asking to come off of it. Um, 
And, you know, I had one woman who told me that her OBGYN said, well, when the pain is bad enough, you'll be back. You'll be back to get the pill and just sent her on her way. And so she reached out to us because she wanted to dive deeper and she wanted legitimate support and answers and another way. Um, But in my situation, um, I was on hormonal birth control for probably 10 years and it wasn't it wasn't something that my mom was necessarily very jazzed about, but at the time there weren't a lot of alternatives. And, you know, I think some some women were practicing fertility awareness, but it still was not widely talked about. There wasn't many resources. It wasn't anything that we were being taught in school. Um, there certainly wasn't anything like the copper IUD or any other options. And so my main goal was not to get pregnant. And I just, you know, everybody else around me was on birth control. And so that's just what I did, despite, you know, my mom saying, you know, maybe there's other ways. Uh, We definitely don't want to be, you know, ingesting these synthetic hormones for years and years and years. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't really until I had been on it for a significant number of years that I considered coming off of it because of the symptoms that I was experiencing. And so, um, the steps that I really took was to test my hormone levels. Well, I'll back up a little bit, but one of the things that we help our clients with is safely transitioning off of hormonal birth control because when you've been on it for many years, it suppresses natural production of your own hormones and kind of stops the conversation between the brain and the ovaries. And so you have to pick back up that conversation and that takes a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. But additionally, Uh, hormonal birth control depletes key vitamins and minerals like magnesium, vitamin C, the Bs, selenium, and that can have a major impact on your hormones as well as create Mm. these symptoms. And then it can also, birth control pills can suppress testosterone, um, can actually really tank it. And so that can lead to really low libido, difficulty putting on muscle, low confidence, low self-esteem. I don't think a lot of times people realize how connected testosterone is with our self-confidence. And mm-hmm. so, and that can make you feel anxious. That can make you feel depressed. So um, it also messes with your gut microbiome. So you have this dysbiosis, this imbalance of good and bad bacteria. And so what I did was I safely transitioned off of the pill. And this is something that I recommend a lot of my clients do if they have the opportunity to instead of just going cold turkey and just stopping is to take about three months to replenish those vitamins and minerals through a really high quality prenatal. And there's a lot of junk out there. So I actually just found one called We Natal, which is amazing. Um, so taking a high quality prenatal to replenish those vitamins and minerals, really focusing on gut and liver support. And then ideally, once you transition off, testing your hormones Um, a couple, two to three months afterwards. And I discovered that I personally had estrogen dominance. So my estrogen relative to my progesterone was very high. And at Mm -hmm. the time I was also really struggling with my weight and I was having difficulty losing weight. Like I said, you know, low energy. Um, I definitely had some gut issues and 
you know, it takes time to rebalance our hormones. It's not a quick fix. It's not an overnight solution, but I regained a natural cycle within about eight months. So it did take time because not only had I suppressed my natural hormone levels for so long, but that was coupled with severely restricting my food. So Mm. that in and of itself can shut down ovulation because of the stress associated with not getting in enough nutrients, not getting in enough protein. So I had sort of this double whammy of being on the birth control pill and restricting my food for so many years that it took time for me to get it back. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty quick that I started to feel so much better and I just started to feel like myself again. And the day that I got my period, I cried because I was just waiting for it. I hadn't had a natural period in about four years. And so from there, I was really able to focus on improving my relationship with food and, you know, understanding better um, what my actual hormone levels were doing. And then that Mm -hmm. kind of propelled later on many years later to me learning about cycle syncing and how to live in alignment with the four phases of your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit, but I have a question for you and it might be a chicken and the egg situation, but I I noticed in your story, you kind of veered off from maybe your mom's best advice and you were eating a lot of standard American foods. And I, I talk to a lot of people, I hear a lot of people's stories where it's like they've been, you know, just eating standard American diets and then they figure out they have hormone, um, dysregulation or imbalance. And I'm wondering, does the food, could our could our poor diet be a cause or of the hormone imbalance? Or do we is it is it are those not related in that order? Like how what's food's role here? It plays a huge role. I mean, there's so many ways that it plays a role, but one, if we're talking about food quality. Um, when, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of clients come to me with the goal of yes, rebalancing their hormones, but more often than not, they really want to lose weight too. And mm-hmm. so if you're looking at weight loss from like a weight loss perspective, in order to lose weight, you have to be in some form of a calorie deficit and you can lose weight eating really processed foods. You can also lose weight eating really nutrient-rich foods. You can gain weight eating really nutrient-rich foods, and you can gain weight eating really processed Mm -hmm. foods. And so nutrient quality matters, I think, more than people realize because you can have two people that are both losing weight at the same rate, but one feels amazing and the other feels like crap. And a lot of that has to do with the way that these foods are um, having our hormones expressed. And so, for example, when we're eating foods that are sprayed with glyphosate that are, you know, heavily sprayed, like I'm sure you guys have dove into the clean 15 and dirty dozen list, but, um, you know, this is a xenoestrogen, just like, um, you know, there's other processed foods ingredient, processed food ingredients, which are also xenoestrogens, but xenoestrogens are, fake estrogens that mimic the estrogen that our our body naturally produces. And so Mm -hmm. instead of it, you know, the estrogen fitting into the receptor cells like a key in a lock, it tries to open the key to the cells and it doesn't work right, doesn't fit properly. And so it starts to wreak havoc. And 
So we want to be really mindful of these, you know, highly pesticide-ridden foods, but also of foods that contain added growth hormones, which is why it is important when possible to go for grass-fed, you know, grass-finished meat, because if we're ingesting these hormones that the cattle are injected with to make them grow fat faster, that makes us grow fat faster. And, you know, we are sort Mm. of what we ingest. And so these hormones do they don't, it's not like we just eat this food and then we excrete it and it doesn't impact us these hormone levels from these hormone injected cows then impact our own hormone levels and can raise our estrogen and then we can become estrogen dominant um and then on top of it you know there's xenoestrogens that are found in other things too like toxic products you know cleaners household products skincare makeup and so we never want to, yeah, plastics. And so let's say that you're, you know, drinking filtered water out of a plastic water bottle that you've left in the sun. Those toxins can then leach into that water and then you ingest that and you're like trying to do a good thing by drinking this filtered water. Um, or maybe you're chopping beautiful produce that you just got from the farmer's market or your local farmer on a plastic cutting board. And then that mm. plastic is being scraped into your maybe Teflon pan, which then has more of these xenoestrogens. And then you're having this beautiful, intentionally beautiful, nutrient-rich food, but then it's coming with all of these other toxins. And so- And then storing it in plastic containers. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens is that these toxins uh, accumulate and they get stored in our fat cells. And so that can- again, impact how we store fat and that can actually impact our weight and the way that we, you know, the way that fat is distributed throughout our body. And so our goal is never to demonize entire food groups or make people really afraid of eating meat that's not grass fed at a restaurant or that they have to all of a sudden switch out all of their products and all, you know, everything. It's more of a slow and steady approach and just having that awareness because truly you can't make changes until you're aware of what needs to be changed and having grace with yourself because at the end of the day, feeling like you have to switch out everything overnight or live in a plastic live in a bubble um, Mm -hmm. is going to add more stress to your plate and that's going to raise your cortisol levels and that's also Mm -hmm. going to be toxic to the body. So it's much more about that awareness and that mindfulness and finding ways that you can make the switch easy and fun. So whatever you're running low on, you know, let's say that's your floor cleaner, just swap it out when that runs low or when that runs out. You know, for plastics, I feel like those are cheaper items to switch. So you could always switch switch from a plastic container to a glass container. Um, You know, switching out a cutting board is not that expensive. Things like that that you use, I always say, uh, frequency of use uh, or frequency of use and surface area. So if you're using something Mm -hmm. all the time and then it's being used on a large – surface area of either your skin or what you're ingesting, that would be the place to start versus something that maybe Mm -hmm. you don't eat frequently or you don't use frequently. I wouldn't worry about obsessing over that. And then, you know, making it fun. I think it can be a really fun activity to take the kids 
to a farmer's market and to talk to the local farmers and to talk to the people that are harvesting the fruits and vegetables and give them an opportunity to learn. And it's also an activity. Oftentimes there's great coffee vendors. You can grab a latte and walk around. You can pick some fresh flowers, build a bouquet. You know, it's fun. And so how can you create Mm -hmm. these rituals that actually get you excited about making these changes? One thing that I've been doing is during the menstrual week, through our period blood, we actually lose iron. And so we need to replenish that. And, you know, grass-fed meat or just red meat in general is a really great way to replenish it. So one thing I've been doing during that week is going and getting myself a burger and just treating myself to that, like having a legit burger, you know, with the bun, with the cheese, like just enjoying it and creating a ritual around it that's fun. And, you know, I always try to compliment my protein with fats and carbs to help to balance blood sugar, which is also something that we get in, can get into. But my husband and I have been buying these grass-fed mm. burgers, putting them on the grill, and just making these gourmet burgers during my period week. And I just think that these rituals and finding ways to make it fun and not make it feel like this daunting task that you quote-unquote have to do or should do, it just brings more joy and allows you to actually look forward to these changes that you're making, also knowing how it's supporting your body. Taking a quick break to remind you to check out Sun and Moo tallow products made from 100% grass-fed, grass-finished tallow, organic oils, and herbs. This is a Christian women-owned business with over a thousand five-star reviews. They have an educational portion of their Instagram to help educate you, the consumer. They truly believe that your beautiful skin comes from healing internally first and skincare is a second approach. And then they back that up with amazing skincare products sourced locally and made right here in the USA. Check out sunandmoo.com and use the code HOMEGROWN for 10% off your order. Again, that is sunandmoo, as in cow, dot com, and get 10% off your order by using the code HOMEGROWN. Science has shown that exposure to artificial blue light can impact our health in a number of ways, including messing up our circadian rhythm, and also leading to psychiatric disorders such as bipolar, depression, PTSD, and more. One of the ways we optimize our health in our home is by utilizing blue light blocking lenses. I have a pair of daytime lenses and nighttime lenses from Raw Optics, and they have been put to the test and worked beautifully. Raw Optics creates premium blue light protection that actually work because they have a colored lens. This is key. You can grab a pair of Raw Optics blue light blocking lenses at rawoptics.com and use the code HOMEGROWN for 10% off your order. Mm. Masterfully said. I wanted to just jump in and uh, just uh, to comment on the whole connection between the food, as you were saying, can Mm -hmm. the food we eat, and Jesse explained that so well. But Mm -hmm. when we think about all the foods that do cause inflammation and fat storage in the body, we are are looking at excess fat, excess body fat. And it's kind of a wake-up call for people to understand that within every fat cell is an aro- is an enzyme called aromatase, and that enzyme actually actually steals manages to convert testosterone levels into estrogen. So this is very interesting for when the more fat cells we have, the more conversion to estrogen occurs at the cellular level. And at that mm. same, at that moment, 
we are actually also creating another hormone. We're creating two hormonal imbalances, actually three. The fat cells are converting testosterone, so depleting testosterone levels, converting to estrogen, so creating excess estrogen, which is then depleting our progesterone levels. So all in all, this is you know a very vicious cycle that occurs uh, from the foods that are that are causing you know the sad diet, the standard American diet, um, and also you know interestingly, let's say men, lots of men that I've talked to have a milk habit. They've been drinking milk all their lives, really like milk. Well. We have to look for the cows that are happy cows that are not injected with hormones in the, the dairy. Because um, mm-hmm. you can see really high levels of estrogen in men who have a dairy habit and low levels of testosterone. And wow. that's to do with this. So I just wanted to pop that in there because it's a, it's kind of a, a very interesting connection to how does how do the foods we eat actually create these imbalances. Here you've got a triple whammy in this one scenario. If I'm understanding this right, if we carry excess fat cells like visceral fat around our waist or wherever, those fat cells convert testosterone to estrogen, making our hormone levels, making estrogen the most prevalent, then also reducing progesterone because those two are on like a seesaw. Am I exactly? That right? Yeah, that's wow. right. An excess of one hormone creates a deficiency of another. So when we're talking about estrogen dominance, you may have, we may see a test result in someone whose estrogen is actually within range, but their progesterone is quite low. And mm. so it's the X, it's the relationship, the proportion of progesterone relative to estrogen that can also cause a, an estrogen dominance, a relative estrogen dominance. Some women have outright high estrogen because they are getting a lot of xeno estrogens in through the foods they eat, the products they use, the skin products, the cleaning products, all that Jesse mentioned. And they also have low progesterone. Um, but some women are also dominant because they're just because their progesterone is low, putting their estrogen. Mm-hmm. And I think it should be reiterated that we only produce progesterone upon ovulation for the most part. And the other connection also, if our progesterone is depleted in in the you know in the process of all that we're talking about then our adrenals are affected because the adrenal glands depend on s on um, progesterone to be able to convert and produce cortisol mm. <laughs> so that whole connection is really important when you look at the cascade of hormones uh, progesterone breaks down in the metabolic process directly to cortisol so if the body is, if we're not producing enough progesterone, then the adrenals go wanting. Now we're feeling tired. Now we can't sleep well. Now we're getting sick more often. Um, you know, the whole raft of, of, of adrenal issues. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's trying to understand all these interactions. But the word you use, seesaw, is pretty accurate because... You know, when you have an excess of one hormone, you've got a deficiency of another because all of these hormones are so interrelated and Hmm. and work and interact. You know, they refer to hormones as a symphony. The orchestra is all Mm -hmm. playing together. All of these hormones think of them as the instruments. And if one instrument is playing out of tune, then Mm. the whole shebang is off, right? 
<clears throat> so it matters, this, this concept of balance and identifying imbalances that are hidden, perhaps, and then taking steps to rectify that is huge. Mm. And sorry, Jess, you had something to add. Oh, I was just going to say, I also think we have a tendency to look at what we shouldn't be eating and, mm. you know, when it comes to nutrition of like what we need to cut out mm -hmm. and oftentimes mm -hmm. that sort of this, it creates sort of this, um, instead of uh, an abundance mindset, it creates sort of this restrictive mindset or, you know, what I can't have or what I shouldn't have. And it's super important to know of those things too. But I think from a hormonal perspective, it's also really important to consider what you might be missing and what you might want to add into your plate, onto your plate. And so, for example, all sex hormones, the backbone of sex hormone production is cholesterol, which is fat. And so if we're not eating enough dietary fat, especially those omega-3 rich fatty acids, we're not going to be producing our hormones in adequate amounts, adequate estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Also, our brain is made up of mostly fat. So I always make the joke that, you know, no wonder you feel brain fog if you're not getting enough fat to your brain, you know. And so mm -hmm. eating those healthy fats is super important, which used to get demonized back in the 90s. And so now I think we're coming around to it. But still, I see fear with fats because they are more calorically dense. But it's super important to add those in. And then also, you know, there's so many different vitamins and minerals that help support production of hormones. Like, for example, B6 helps with progesterone production. The Bs together, the B complex is really important because that not only helps with hormone production, but energy production. And then, for example, zinc can help with testosterone production. And a lot of these things we can get from our foods. And then, of course, there's protein, which the majority of women that I work with, I have them track their food for the first week of us working together. Most of them say, I get in protein, I get plenty of protein, and I look over their tracking and it's like half of what they need almost always. And protein are the building blocks you know, those essential amino acids, the nine essential amino acids that we can't get from our from our bodies can't produce, we need to get from food. And those essential amino acids not only help us to produce certain hormones like the thyroid, but it keeps us fuller for longer. It gives us more energy. It helps us to put on lean muscle, which is incredibly important as we age, especially. And um, putting on lean muscle in general is one of the most hormone supportive things that you can do. Um, and then protein mm -hmm. also supports liver health. And if we're not properly detoxifying the liver, then certain hormones like estrogen recirculate and wreak havoc in the body. So I think we hear mm -hmm. like healthy fats and protein, but why is it so important? It's helpful to know that. And then it's also helpful to know where, what foods, you know, can we bring onto our plate so that we can sort of naturally crowd out some of the things that aren't necessarily serving and supporting our goals. Mm. That's so good. Um, I want to dive into the blood sugar conversation a little bit because I think it ties to protein. 
And um, earlier this year, I wore a CGM for eight weeks. I tracked my blood sugar, which was mind blowing what I learned from that experience, even as someone who feels like I eat a pretty whole foods diet. And then most recently, I tracked my protein um, for about three months. And my goal was to get between 120 to 140, maybe 60 grams of protein per day. I was aiming for that one gram per ideal pound of body weight. Um, So I'd love to know your input on that, how you guys recommend folks eat protein, because I agree with you. I think I was under eating previously, and I have built lean muscle as a result of increasing my protein. And it's amazing how the other macronutrients fell in line. It was very hard to overconsume carbohydrates. And, you know, I even kept my fat in line, which was super helpful. So I want to talk about blood sugar as it relates, well, just blood sugar. And then also talk to me about your views on protein. Yeah. So blood sugar balance is one of the keys to hormone balance. And it's something that, you know, I think also needs a lot more attention because, again, when I first speak with my clients and I look at their food log or I or I chat with them, they say that they're really frustrated because they're like, I eat a super healthy diet. I have, you know, mm-hmm. I go to the farmer's market. I eat so many different plants and I'm just so aware, you know, I don't have any processed foods in my house. Like I make my own nut milk or whatever it is. And they're really frustrated because they have these hormonal symptoms or they have difficulty losing weight. And I'll say, you know what, it might come down to blood sugar balance. So let me look at, you know, how you're combining these foods, not just the foods that you're eating, but how are you combining them? And so Mm. I've created a formula called the Sexy Six Formula, and it's just a way for people to easily remember these six components that I recommend including at every meal. And it's basically just protein, anti-inflammatory fats, nutrient-rich carbohydrates, whole food fiber, um, uh, non-starchy fruits and vegetables, and Bliss Boost, which is essentially just fresh herbs and seasonings, sauerkraut, different things that help increase the nutrient profile and the flavor. And so the mm-hmm. but the amounts do matter. So I always say let's make sure that you have protein and that first and that you build your meal around protein. So ideally protein, fat, fiber, and then your carb. And so usually to your point, I'm recommending a lot more protein than people are actually consuming. So on the bare minimum end, I suggest 0.7 grams per pound of ideal body weight um, of protein per day and up to one pound. And for somebody who's eating 50 grams of protein a day, I'm not going to tell them to eat one gram per pound because that's going to be a huge deviation Mm -hmm. from what they're doing. That's going to feel really overwhelming. So we'll start on the lower end and gradually work their way up. But if you are somebody who, let's say, strength trains three to five times a week, you get in, you know, a lot of movement throughout the day, you're going to want to increase your protein gradually to that upper level, at least the like 0.8, 1 gram would be ideal, especially if you are trying to build muscle. Um, and then just kind of, you know, I think everyone's bio-individual, so play around with how you feel. Uh, but usually I'll say at least 30 to 35 grams of protein per meal. And then mm-hmm. from there, complement it with one to two servings of anti-inflammatory fat. Maybe that's avocado, grass-fed butter, nuts, seeds, olive oil. And then for a nutrient-rich carbohydrate, carbs are heavily demonized. I think that like the fat fear has now been replaced with the carb fear. And, you know, it's frustrating because 
while carbs aren't necessary the same way that fats and proteins are, um, they're really important for healthy ovulation for women, for men and women, super important for energy. It's the body's preferred fuel source. I've found with so many clients, including myself, if they don't get enough carbs, they don't act, they can't actually lift as heavy in the gym. They don't have as much energy in the gym. And once they start adding carbs in, they're like, oh my gosh, I got such a better workout in. And I just also make the point and the sort of joke, but like real joke that um, no wonder you feel hangry or upset when you don't have carbs because serotonin, our feel-good hormone, can be produced from carbohydrates. So when you're not eating enough carbs, mm. you're going to feel a little bit lower mood. And so they play a huge role in our mood. Um, and then a carb is not a carb is not a carb. So that also kind of drives me crazy when it's like all carbs are bad. But it's like – but there's carbs like a sweet potato that also have B6 vitamins in there that have fiber, that have vitamins and minerals. Fiber. And so – that's really where we have to understand the difference between the types of carbs, but also how to pair it. And then the fiber conversation is really important because fiber, especially whole food fiber, helps the body. I see it like a little broom. It helps sweep excess estrogen out of the body so it doesn't recirculate. And it also helps to sweep toxins. And so, and it helps us to more slowly digest our food so we don't get such a rapid, rapid blood sugar spike. So ideally, and I think you guys have talked about this before, but ideally you would start with your protein and your fats and have a couple of bites, like two to three bites of those before you dive into your carbohydrates because that mm -hmm. will help you to more slowly digest your food so you don't get that rapid blood sugar spike. And obviously that's not always possible. Like if you're eating a sandwich, I'm not going to tell you to like eat a bite of the burger out of the sandwich and then put the bread. <laughs> like that's crazy. But um, let's say you're eating a bowl and it's like the chicken and avocado is on top. Like take a few bites of that before you get to the rice. And if you're wearing a CGM like you've been doing, you can actually host experiments. Like what does my blood sugar do when I take that approach versus when I eat the carbs first and then the proteins? Um, so that's one little tip that I give that I think is just really, it really easy. But if you can't do that, just thinking about building your meal around protein first and then complementing mm -hmm. it with the fats, the fiber, and then the carbs. Mm, I love that so much. I love your sexy six. I think that's so well branded. I'm going to give a Thanks. real life example because I think it, I think it helps like solidify this. So, so yesterday, which by the way, I'm feeling very confirmed in my daily habits currently because I'm doing like everything you just said, which I'm, I'm feeling good about that. But <laughs> even yesterday, I had to choose – I was about to zip out the door and I knew I was going to have about an hour drive just between different things. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be sitting for the next hour and I needed to eat something. I was hungry. And at first I was like, oh, I'll just grab a banana real quick. And you'd think like, oh, whole food, it's a fruit, it's healthy. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to be literally sitting. I'm not going to be able to – benefit from that energy spike I might get from eating a banana. And I know because mm -hmm. I've eaten a banana and watched my glucose rise, right? So instead, I grabbed a piece of turkey and um, some cheese and rolled that up and ate that real quick. And I had zero crash that afternoon. Whereas if I had just eaten a banana real quick, also a whole food, also healthy, also not afraid of carbs, but I look at carbs as my energy source and I try to match my energy source to 
a timely manner when I'm going to go use that. If I'm going to go do a 45 minute ruck up a hill at a 15 minute pace, I'm going to eat a banana because I'm going to be using that energy. But if I'm going to be stuck in a car sitting for an hour or an hour and a half, I'm so happy. I wasn't like dragging after a period of time because my blood sugar spiked and then dropped back down. So I love how you think about that and just the practicality of like, oh yeah, I can make intentional decisions. Later in the day, I can eat that banana, no problem, but right now, not the time. So I think that's super, super cool. I think when it comes to blood sugar balance too, I think it's important to bring in the, the, uh, you know, the, the understanding about the glycemic load that mm. when you're talking about certain fruits and vegetables that have a higher glycemic load so that they create that, um, that sugar response is much more potent and rapid than mm-hmm. with some things. And it's, it, that whole GI index is available to people to look up and, and see. It's very interesting the difference between, let's say, you know, uh, there are several different kinds of melons. Some melons have a really high glycemic load, others don't certain kinds of beans are and rice and grains things that are good for us but you know we can make choices in there too to sort of control the blood sugar spike and and then of course you know fiber is always going to help control that as well but i think being aware of those things that um are really high glycemic i think bananas are sort of okay they're they're kind of reaching the high end but there are other things mm-hmm. like pineapple and and you know some of the sweeter fruits mango papaya and then all kinds of different grains and rice can be good or bad um yeah in terms of that but i i think there's some awareness that it i don't think that's a really widespread awareness about the gi the the high glycemic load i actually saw this and i i'm honestly not bashing the vegan way of living but I, I was curious about it when I was becoming a health coach, so I decided to try it for six months. Didn't work for me, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed mm-hmm. learning how to eat more plants. It definitely made me, me more aware of bringing more plants onto my plate, but I was obsessively looking at vegan influencers on YouTube and trying to learn more about it, and I remember seeing some of them that were like, oh, all I do is make this smoothie, and it had like five bananas, like an entire, like half a pineapple, all this fruit. And it was like, at the time, I didn't know that that wasn't healthy. I didn't really fully grasp the concept of blood sugar balance. So I was trying things like that, where I'm making these like huge fruit smoothies and then I'd be crashing and just felt horrible and was like, what the heck? I'm eating what they tell me to eat and and all these healthy foods. And so I think it, it can be a little dangerous too when you go online and you see not just vegan influencers, but, um, influencers in general, you know, sharing what they eat in a day and, you know, their results. And I think part of this conversation that is excluded is, is blood sugar balance, but also blood sugar balance for you because everybody has a different Mm. carb tolerance. And so it's, it is Mm -hmm. learning like the different combinations that actually work best for you. Cause some people can handle a little bit more carbs. Um, and others can't. And also it depends on, for women, where you are in your menstrual cycle. You're more insulin resistant the week before your period and you're more insulin sensitive during the follicular phase after your period ends. So Hmm. I think it's just so important that we take into consideration 
how to balance blood sugar, but also how to do it for our unique body type, which is why wearing a CGM is also like super insightful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I there was a lot. Speaking of that, I think I've seen some of those vegan things where it's like, this is what I eat in the day. And it's like four servings of melon and da, 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 da. And I was mm-hmm. I was flabbergasted. I was yeah. like, what? But then also, I've seen also in the real food space, sometimes we can get hairy with this because we're like, oh, well, we're eating beautifully long fermented sourdough bread. And, you know, this whole it's so funny how whenever there's a a societal fear of something, there's always kind of like a micro movement that rises up and is like, no, carbs are good for you. So I saw that in the kind of pro metabolic space of like carbs are good for you. Drink your Mexican Coke, eat your ripe fruit, have your honey. And I didn't feel like there was a healthy level of blood sugar regulation in that conversation so then I saw folks completely dysregulating their blood sugar and then I was like but how is that supporting your metabolism or your hormone production it didn't click with with me and so I'm happy Mm -hmm. you say that because yeah everyone do does have a different carb load and I am a very active person and um, I know I'm trying to gauge even on a daily basis as the example I just gave about I'm not fearful of carbs, but I want to utilize them in the best way possible. And and obviously my protein forward approach is a big piece of that too. So I think that's great. I think when we're all talking about carbs, we're mostly talking about complex carbs mm. that are that carry their own fiber with them that have natural sugars, but not excessively so. So, mm. you know, the sweet potatoes and the whole grain, the whole grains of every sort can be uh, you know, our carbs, but we're not talking about pasta, pies, and pizza here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, true. But at the same time, I don't think that that should be demonized in moderation either, because I think that if you want to treat yourself and have a piece of pizza or have some ice cream, you can use the same principles to pair that with protein and fat, and that will still mm. better stabilize your blood sugar levels, and you won't have that same crash as you would if you just ate that piece of pizza by itself. And I that's what I try to teach my clients too, because I do think it's important to give ourselves grace and permission to have treats as well. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the 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 homemade croissant or is something we all want to treat ourselves to. But I mean, in general, you know, totally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Complex carbs are more our friend than the, the simple carbs that so many I mean, many people that I talk to who have been plant based have admitted that the go to are simple carbs because it's an mm-hmm. easy way to to fill your belly when you're not eating um, meat or, you know, eggs or any of that sort of thing and that can become a real problem it's too Mm -hmm. too ready too ready too simple so anyway yeah and I think going bouncing off of what Jess said too it's like I think there's beauty in when you produce it yourself so like when we make our homemade sourdough pizza out of Mm. like really nice artisan flour that does have fiber in it it's like yeah I don't feel bad eating that at all but that's way different than going out and like just ordering Pizza Hut or something, you know, totally. completely different yeah, food. Yeah, that's but because what we it's mean. called. Yeah. So I love that. Um, we have a saying here. We say food freedom or food education equals food freedom, because when you learn about food and how to prepare it, you can enjoy food in a multitude of different ways. You don't have to cut out food groups. If you want dairy, go for raw dairy. If you want grains, go for artisan heritage grains, make it yourself, that kind of thing. So I think we're both, we're all echoing the same. Oh yeah. 
But I do agree that in general, the general population, it can be easy to just, just glucose is everywhere, right? Carbs are everywhere. It's, mm-hmm. We have a, an abundance of access, which is new to the human species. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love, I feel like we're, we're getting shorter on time here, but um, anything else that you guys want to cover is in terms of balancing hormones and just everyday advice for women who want to be more aware about how their lifestyle and their food impacts this beautiful orchestra that's going on inside. Hmm. Um, I mean, I can start and mom, you can, you can finish, but I think that awareness is everything. And I think becoming, I always say becoming a compassionate detective into your own body instead of coming at it from a place of judgment Hmm. or shame and just getting curious, asking questions, listening to podcasts like yours. You guys have so many great episodes and you definitely don't have a dogmatic approach. You're very much, you know, realistic in the education that you provide and just really helping people with ways to make the switch to, you know, real food living approachable and affordable, which is one thing I listened to one of your episodes and it's, you gave such good tips about how to do it in a way that's affordable. Um, which mm-hmm. I think is is also really helpful because mm-hmm. as a side note, there is so much that we can see on Instagram where it's like, buy this supplement, buy this food, this brand. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's going to be $1,000 a month just in these supplements <laughs> that I need to be taking. Um, so I think starting with the basics, coming at it from a place of curiosity, consuming great content, um, you know, following people that you trust um, and as women, really getting tuned in with the four phases of your menstrual cycle, understanding cycle syncing, understanding how your hormones change and fluctuate throughout the whole month. But on top of that, um, bringing the men into your life to understand it too. So like I started quizzing my husband on the four phases of the menstrual cycle and I'm like, okay, this is happening. Like I would give him, you know, during this phase, my energy is increasing. I'm more in the mood for sexy time. He's like, oh, ovulatory phase. And so we just (laughs) kind of, I'll quiz him or I'll say like, what's the phase of the cycle where I like to go on vacations? And what is the phase where I don't because my energy is lower and I'm moodier, you know? And so I think making it, making the conversation fun, approachable, but also sharing it with your significant other, your partner, your friends, normalizing these conversations. So I'm often talking with both men and women about the female menstrual cycle. And, you know, I have a lot of clients who are moms and they're now sharing this information with their sons and their daughters. So when they have a Mm. mood swing or, you know, I have a client who's like, I get really bad premenstrual rage and I feel so bad because I'll snap at my kids. And now I'm explaining to them what's going on. Like, mommy's about to get her period. My hormones are dropping. And sometimes that makes me moody, but it's not anything that you did wrong. You know, this is just what I'm going through. Here's how you can help me, you know, during my period week, I, I'm going to need a little bit more help around the house or whatever it is, or explaining that to your husband, how can they be there for you so that it not only, um, improves your relationship with each other, but allows each of you to honor what the other one needs. And, It gives you just a greater understanding for your body. It gives you a lot more compassion for yourself and allows you to complement your nutrition, your workouts, your self-care with where you are in that cycle. 
and also understanding how men's bodies work differently, separately from women's. Men have a 24-hour circadian clock, so their hormones are doing the same thing every 24 hours. Their testosterone is built overnight and peaks in the morning along with their cortisol. So it's really great time for energy and sex and productivity. And then it starts to kind of drop off and their estrogen increases in the early evening, which it means that they're probably more prone to want to have more emotional conversations. They're in their feelings a little bit more. Um, happy hour is really popular um, because men, if we go way back, sort of like the nine to five work schedule is based around a man's circadian clock. So around 5 p.m. Mm. happy hour time, their estrogen is up and their testosterone's down. So they're more in like that social mood. And so it's just important to understand the difference between male hormones, female hormones, and why me doing the exact same workout and eating the same caloric content as my partner, who's a man, um, is not going to work just as me trying to follow the exact same dietary program as the woman next to me who's in a different phase of her cycle or has different hormonal fluctuations mm. is also not going to work. So I think it's about mm. awareness, education, and empowering yourself. And then, of course, hormone testing, which you know, I think, Mom, you could end with that. Well, you know, the hormone testing is a way of confirming symptoms, and that begins with awareness of symptoms that are not you know, really normal uh, when you're younger and in premenopause, no, you shouldn't have horrible heavy periods as I was talking about before and terrible PMS where your children are scared of you and and when you tend to gravitate towards drinking lots of caffeine because you can't get to sleep, you can't wake up in the morning and can't get to sleep at night. There are so many, so many behaviors that are linked to these hormonal fluctuations that are normal um, as we you know, in our in our premenstrual phase, but our you know, there's always these fluctuations, but they shouldn't be dramatic seesaw, you know, um, roller coaster sorts of things. When we're younger, we should be ovulating and producing the right proportion of hormones in in relationship to each other. If our diet is steady and we're eating well, as we've been talking about today, and not going for huge periods of time without eating because we're trying to stay thin or not over-training and over-exercising and overworking and over-committing. This is what younger people do because, you know, they, they're burning the candle at both ends and, and that's when the adrenal imbalances can really take hold. And I talk to a lot of younger women who should be having normal cycles, but their levels are looking like a woman in menopause with, you know, mm. because their stress is so huge, ongoing stress, and it can be good stress, it can be bad stress. But, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that too much exercise, training every single day, uh, going to bed late, getting, you know, less than six hours of sleep at night, being on the computer late at night, this all plays havoc with the adrenal circadian rhythms. And that alone can create all sorts of imbalance, even when you're young. As you get older, Women need to be aware that your hormones are going to change and fluctuate. Your periods are going to become heavier, lighter. They may go missing until at a certain, and you'll have lots of symptoms of irritability and mood swings and um, weight gain that you never had, uh, you know, lack of energy, not being able to sleep. These things start to happen in perimenopause around late 30s, mid 40s. And that's kind of the lead up to 
menopause, but the degree to which people experience symptoms in that perimenopausal period that can last from like, you know, for eight to 10 years until you're officially in menopause, the degree to which people experience those symptoms is often linked to how much stress they have going on in their lives. And that means, you know, that ongoing stress where we're not taking good care of ourselves, we're not taking time to eat proper meals, we're rushing from one place to another, we're trying to take care of our aging parents, our kids, mm-hmm. cook dinner and get somehow eat ourselves and get some workout in. And, and the me time and the self-care just goes right out the window. I mean, women are just notorious for taking care of everyone but themselves. So mm-hmm. that becomes extremely important. And I think women need to be aware that this is the time to you know start checking in with your your not only your cycles as they change, but your needs as they change too, your nutritional needs. This is when your adrenals need tender, loving care, because by the time you get to menopause, which is generally uh, around the age of 51, 12 sequential months without a cycle, your adrenals are all you have to produce hormone because the ovaries have kind of, as I always say, packed their bags. They're not necessarily defunct, but they're not producing much hormone for us anymore. We're no longer ovulating. Um, And if we are still getting xenoestrogens into our world through our diet, through our environment, if we're unaware of that, we can start to become really, you know, way out of whack on uh, with some hormone levels and very low with others. And then there are just, you know, so many symptoms. So women need to be aware that of the symptoms they should journal they should notice they should give themselves as jesse often says some grace and allow that there are going to be changes that they're inevitable but all the things that we're talking about now with proper nutrition and self-care are so important as for young people to start thinking about these things now not only to feel better now but to think about who am i going to be when i'm you know, I'm 25 now. What about when I'm 35, when I'm 45? Who am I when I'm 50? What kind of a menopause am I going to have? What kind of a parent I'm going to be when I'm going through all of these things? I need to maintain my health and my mental capacity. You know, we want to be thinking straight and being able to operate on all all cylinders. So mm-hmm. it can be done. I think a lot of women really dread getting older and they dread getting into menopause and they don't understand when they're in perimenopause and I think symptom awareness and then testing hormones we like saliva because it's simple it's convenient you can test uh, we we like people to test four times over the course of one day younger women have to test at a particular time in their cycle but that helps us track stress hormone levels and all the rest the estrogen progesterone testosterone DHEA and then um, that test result comes back with the whole world of information. It's like light is shed. You know, the universe of your hormonal milieu that was formerly hidden to you is now open to the light. And we can start to analyze what these hormone levels mean, how they're affecting you on an everyday level, and what you can do to, you know, to rebalance. And, and what we've been talking about here with balanced nutrition the, you know, the right foods, nutrient-dense eating, stress management, exercise that is balanced, not all high-intensity, being aware of your cycles and your, you know, the cycle sinking, and even the foods that you're eating during those various cycles can really help you cruise through these 
periods of your of reproductive life. And I think a lot of this applies to men too, as they get older. So many men are, are working hard and it, like all of us are, but not really having the same emotional outlets or ability to, to communicate what's going on with them or to recognize what's going on with them. So I, I'm happy to hear Jesse say she's had the conversation with Josh and he knows he knows the ovulatory cycle. Okay, right on, Josh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, testing opens up a whole world of information. And then we've got, with your home and balance, we've got a rebalancing guide. And we're actually upgrading our package now to create a rescue kit mm. that provides a whole lot of information, a customized recap. And people can always talk to me or Jess through uh, consults. And a lot of people do like to do that because they need to feel listened to. So mm -hmm. we try to provide on, you know, on all the sort of the foundation of what it takes to be heard, to, to be aware, and then to take action to, you know, to advocate for yourself. And I think women, if they do need hormone therapy, it has to be bioidentical. They have to insist on that. It should be plant-based. It's those hormones are out there. They're, you know, when you think, I think of the word homemade as in your podcast, our homemade hormones are, you know, the hormones we use should be, uh, if we need to use hormone therapy, it should mimic our own homemade hormones. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love it. This is outstanding. And I, um, as we're getting wrapped up here, would love Candace and Jess, for you all to share with everybody that's listening where they can find you. Mm -hmm. yeah, How can they get in touch? Where, where, like, what, what are the channels they should be aware of? Mm -hmm. So we actually created a code for your listeners if they're interested in getting tested too. Mm. Um, if, Ooh, awesome. if you don't mind us sharing that. Um, yeah, we created the code HOMEGROWN for $50 off any of our hormone test kit packages, um, which will include the new test kit package. And that's at yourhormonebalance.com. And they can also take our symptom quiz on the website if they want to see if some of the symptoms that they're experiencing could potentially be connected to hormone imbalance. And it comes with some free resources as well. And then if interested in kind of diving deeper and having one-on-one -on -one support, um, I offer one-on-one -on -one hormone coaching, and that's through a customized app. So everything's individualized based on your goals, whether that's sustainable weight loss, hormone rebalance, um, just cultivating healthier habits. And they can learn more about that at www.bodyblissbyjust.net. And that's where I offer a free discovery call. And then we can be followed on Instagram at Your Hormone Balance and at Body Bliss by Jess. And I think that's everything. Uh, it's been so awesome chatting with you guys. I love it. I, I, I love you guys so much. I feel like I keep saying this on every show, but I'm like, people are going to have more questions. We might need to do another episode. <laughs> totally. um, but thank you guys so much for being here. This has been awesome. And I know people are definitely going to reach out to you guys because you guys are clearly a wealth of information. So thank you so much. Thanks You're for so having welcome. us on. Our pleasure. Mm. Have a great evening and morning yeah we're in different parts of the world this. Yeah. This is hilarious. so yeah th thanks for being here guys candace and jess out of the virtual chat for now that was our first global recording experience because candace was in england jess was in 
can uh, sorry canada california and we were obviously in ohio it was fun that it was like good morning good afternoon good evening all in one it was it all was in exciting. one discussion yeah and the internet actually held up so i felt like that was really encouraging 2023 2023 bless technology they were great oh my gosh Love um, having two people that are both passionate about the same thing, but with different, like a different lens and some capacity of how they communicate that. And that their mother, daughter, Love I don't it. know, it just really resonates with me. So we ended up um, chatting quite a bit after we hit end on the recording. And there's just so much more we really want to cover. And they're both a wealth of knowledge. So get excited for a part two coming sometime. Um, we're not in a particular rush, but man, in 2024, we're going to make sure we get that on the books. And in the meantime, go find them on Instagram. Go hit up their website. Learn Take more the about hormone them. wellness test that they have. Yes. I would just, I mean, like, go do that. That sounds like a really, really easy starting place mm -hmm. to getting yourself squared away mm -hmm. and... Um, yeah, definitely hit them up. They've got, they're, they're super active on Instagram from from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Candace and Jess, the bomb. Loved having you out. Anything else? No, I was just going to say a free way to support our efforts here at Homegrown is to leave a rating and a review mm. of the podcast. We uh, do this out of our own time and we get to meet with incredible guests like Candace and Jess. And it helps us so much to grow the show and to grow awareness because honestly, our end goal is just to impact as many families as possible. So a free way you can support us is leave a rating or review of the show. Um, it's super helpful for us to get your feedback and also it helps the podcast get displayed to more potential listeners. And that grumpy friend, you just send them this episode and say, I think I know why you're grumpy. That's a bad idea. Here's here's some information about your it's hormones. It's like bad moon rising. Did you think about that episode <laughs> I, the entire I did, time? I did. Out of everybody loves Raymond. I love it. I Any love other it. like nineties kids what grow up watching that? Imagine you're like, Hey, um, I think you need this episode. Sometimes and it's all about hormone health. I just think you're really messed up. I think some of your symptoms are no, we're not thinking. Share the that. podcast with people delicately mm -hmm. because it's good information. Mm -hmm. Not because you want to fix them. Totally. Alternatively, you can also get some things for yourself. You were can you, go to his. going to say a non-free way to support the podcast. I, I considered it, <laughs> but then I stopped. No, seriously, Hazelmeyer Goods is our online shop where we are featuring products that we hand select from various vendors. Um, I love these people that mm. are a part of our Hazelmeyer Goods family. We have some soap makers. We have a tallow maker. We've got a basket maker. We've got all kinds of people that are just we're able to partner with them and mm. create amazing product and it's stuff that's going to be long lasting all natural and traditionally minded mm -hmm. and i'm just like i love it so hit that up if that resonates with you if you're like what are you even talking about we have coffee organic teas hand-thrown mugs um organic kitchen towels just like all of the think like magnolia and target but like the crunchy version and actually ethically sourced no shade on them but for real. But shade. But hey, but shade. go uh, shoptheh.com. You can find that stuff there. Um, additionally, homegrowneducation.org. If you didn't already know that we're selling nutrition curriculum mm -hmm. for you and for your kids, recipe books, what's for dinner, what's for breakfast to get you in the real food game and mm -hmm. to keep your meals amazing, then here's your, here's your like bat signal in the air of go deeper with your nutrition understanding by getting some educational supplies totally. to make that happen. Resource. We have tools for you to do that. 
uh, homegrowneducation.org to get that. If you like us for some reason, you want to hear us talk more <laughs> or see us, etc., you can find us on Instagram, Joey Hazelmeyer, Liz Hazelmeyer, homegrown underscore education. And until next time, that's a wrap.